Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, what up, y'all? It's your girl, Vivica A. Fox here. Welcome to my podcast, Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Woo, y'all. Joining me today is one of the finest leading men in show business. He's an Emmy award-winning producer, director, star of TV, film, and Broadway for over 30 years. He's a two-time Golden Globe nominee. He has seven NAACP Image Awards and 17 nominations, a Humanitarian Award, and even a Grammy. Now, if that wasn't enough for y'all, he's also an author, activist, husband, and father to three. Bottom line, y'all, this man does it all. Please welcome to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox, one very classy gentleman, Blair Underwood. Ah, Viv, what's going on? Hey, Blair. Oh, man. Listen, listen, it is so great to be on your podcast, your brand new podcast. I love that you named your podcast Hustling with Vivica, because one of the things that has always, always, I tell you this all the time, inspired me about you is that you will always get your hustle on, but you will always be working. You will always be upbeat and positive and happy. And it's it's an inspiration to me. So, you know, you you, you rattle off the, the, the bio, but a lot of that. You know, a lot of that is like iron sharpening iron. Like over the years, you know, we got this game around the same time back in the in the nineties, the eighties, eighties and nineties. Yeah. And just you know, we watch each other, we grow from each other. But I just thank you for often, often setting the pace and getting your hustle on and, no and, and doing great work. You know, look, I try to tell these children, look here, we ain't new to this, we true to this. Come on now. Okay. <laughs> That's, <Like> right. That. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. Hey, so, hey, and you know what? The the, be, the best way to express that is longevity. The fact That's that right. you know we're still still in the game, doing it and being relevant. That's a beautiful thing. No doubt. So, how are you? How are you doing? Doing this whole quarantine, Corona ban? Are you going stir crazy? Thanks for asking. You know we're doing fine. The the, the, the kids that are no longer kids are 18, 21, and twenty three now. They're all here at the house in Desiree. Wow. Years, you know. Yeah, so you know it's a full house, which is good. I mean, especially the first two weeks, not knowing what this this whole thing was, this whole coronavirus, COVID nineteen thing, and how it was going to affect us. Mm-hmm. You know, I really wanted to make sure we were all together. And I was doing a play in New York at the time. I got out just in the nick of time wow. uh, to get back to L.A. with the family. But you know what? Everybody's hanging in there. Thankfully, everybody's healthy and happy. That's the best thing I can ask for. Um, you know, I've got a number of friends, I'm sure we all do at this point, mm-hmm. that have contracted COVID. Yeah. Some have, um, you know, gotten back on track and others have not had family members who have passed away. And it's, it's tough. It really so, is. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, I'm I, I'm going to keep it real with you. You know, I'm used to being at on the uh, headed to the airport. You know, we were finishing up right. Empire in Chicago. Do, used to doing my public appearances. Yeah. I'm used to being so busy. And I actually was going to move. I just told my house and I was literally about to oh, wow. the following week. So that got pushed back. So I'm going to start crazy. I'm going to keep it real. Okay. I'm over this. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me, let, hey, that's real talk though. But let, let me ask you, I find this a lot of my friends right now because, you know, we talk about the hustle. And, you know, right. I'm, I, I, I'm the same way. I mean, you know, I think we learned a long way. We can't just act, you know, it's going to be a lot of different other 
revenue streams along the way. So you have longevity 30, 40 years later. But, but that said, have you found, because I, I found that it, because it has forced me to slow down, I found myself appreciating things I never really appreciated as much. And, and just, just taking the time to really just be still as an artist even, and storyteller, and just kind of figure out what this moment is all about internally, you know, within myself, but also what are people feeling? What are they saying? The fact that we're forced to just press pause, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of made me reflect a lot. Okay, well, yeah, I, I'm going to give you the flip side of that. I'll uh, give it the flip side. <laughs> it, Blair, it was real cute the first two weeks. I was like, oh, great. Yeah. Oh, my God. I can get some sleep. I can catch up. Because like I said, I was about to move. So I was like, but yeah. maybe by week two, I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, I had two movies scheduled, four appearances, selling the house. Like I had all of these things that I was like ready to do. But like I said, I, I've adjusted, but I am really ready to get back to somewhat of normalcy and ready to move. So, but anyway, enough about yeah. me. Yeah, no, no, me too. Let, let me let me tell you something. We were just trying to set up the Zoom meeting just now. Uh-huh. And I was thinking like, you know, because we couldn't get <laughs> the audio on my side. I felt this big sense of disappointment. It's like, this is my highlight of the day. Oh. I get to talk to Vivica. <laughs> but you know what? You and know, then you were so sweet, yeah. Blair, because you put on your cute hat for me. I see you got your beard, which you have on Instagram. Oh, yeah. that it's the hashtag right. 14 beard <laughs> taking root. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> taking root. Oh, wow. Well, I mean, can I tell you, it's really one of the first times that I pretty much, you always have like a little sexy goatee happening or maybe like a little, you know, stash. When you came up, I was like, oh, I said, well, let me tell you what, Blair, you ain't got to worry about Vivica being on camera because they ain't getting uh quarantine route from Vivica, okay? There's <laughs> <laughs> no quarantine route. <laughs> no. I know that's right. So anyway, let's go back. Let's go back because we are yeah. here today on my podcast show because I want to celebrate your illustrious career. When I was literally oh. reading your breakdown, it was pages, y'all. Like, I thought I had a resume, okay? Because I ain't going to lie. Me, me and Blair, we've been, both been working, making it do what it do. But it yeah, was that's like, right. Blair, like you, like, I forgot, like you started off Crush Groove? I played uh, Russell Simmons in Crush Groove. That was before anybody knew what Russell looked like, who Russell really was. Ah, okay. Yeah. In fact, it's funny. On social media this morning, I saw, I came across this video that Sheila E. had posted. So right. Sheila was my first on-screen kiss, my first love interest, first <gasps> everything. And Ooh. and she had run into Chris Rock. Uh-huh. In a, it looked like a lobby or something. She was like, hey, I was, an, I was an extra in Crush Groove. I didn't know that. She didn't know that. So wow. I'm, I'm going to post that. Yeah, that's a good throwback. 1985. That's a good throwback Thursday. Yeah, now you got your throwback. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did you go from Crush Groove to then L.A. Law? Yeah, I did One Life to Live in Between. I did a soap opera for about three months. One Life to Live in New York. and then. Yeah, yeah, I was doing a soap for a minute. I was just trying to get, yeah, man, you know, pay the bills. Just anything that would work. Um, But I learned a lot on that, even though it was three months, because, you know, you got to learn pages of dialogue overnight. So Mm -hmm. that was some some real quick training for this business. And then, yeah, yeah, so L.A. Law happened the next year in the 80s. Seven for me. So L.A. Law for you was what then when you became Blair Underwood, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to okay, say it like that. I do. You know, I, look, brother, I'm going to give you a pop. You're hilarious. See, let me tell you, last night I had to go back and look at some like clips of you. I was like, that Blair. I, I don't even think I heard what you were saying, brother. I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it real. <laughs> but I don't even think I heard. What, I was just like, oh, my God, he just makes such an a beautiful leading man. I mean, your presence on screen is is just, but besides that, Blair, you are an excellent actor. 
which usually, you know, them two don't go hand in hand. There's somebody fine and can act. Let's keep that real, okay? <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that I was I was 21 when I started on LA Law. I just left college and I was out in the, you know, in the, in the world for about a year and a half. So, uh, you know, I was I was a mere pup, if you will. Mm. But no, that that show, and you know, I mean, that was, I did the show from 85 to 94. Wow. I say often it, it changed my life because it did. It opened up doors. It opened up doors that are open to this day because of that show. So I'm, I'm eternally grateful for that. Excellent. Excellent. You did that for years and that was just excellent training. And I think, like you said, being on that soap prepared you for L.A. law because soaps, like I said, people don't understand. Soap actors have to go home and learn sometimes 20 pages of dialogue. Come in the next day. Oh, yeah. Look good doing it. Shed a tear and, you know, then go home the next night, go home that night and start all over again and start all over again that's right hey all you true crime fans this is mike ferguson and this is mike morph and we'd like to invite you to listen to our podcast criminology launched in 2017 we've covered a variety of strange cases from murders to missing persons some of the cases are ones you may not have heard of other cases we cover are some of the most historic in true crime there are 200 episodes of criminology available to binge on right now and new episodes come out every saturday night subscribe to criminology today wherever you listen to your podcast now you and i over the years have done a couple of projects together and I was really surprised to hear that there were certain things that you turned down like you turned down our cult classic set it off nah. <laughs> that was they told me you were going to be in the movie See, oh. they, they told me straight up I said oh it's a wrap it's a wrap <laughs> yeah you know what it's only because I tell you it's only because I had not read the whole script mm. I mentioned that in an interview recently and a lot of folks have never heard that story but you know it was just you you remember at that time there was a there were, I don't know if you heard it but I, we were getting pushback because there's a lot of just um, so-called hood movies or gangster movies and then people were feeling we were being shown only in a negative light as black mm-hmm. actors um, so I remember hearing that before I even read it and I started reading it but I was I was in a whole different mindset I was doing a different project I was you know uh, like an historical piece and you know whatnot but but anyway what happened once I finished reading it my manager Helen Suglin. To her credit, it's like, why, why did you pass? And I was like, well, you know what, Helen, I actually didn't finish reading it. And that was my bad. When I finished reading it, I was like, yo, this is, this is number one. It's a great story. Mm-hmm. And, and also in terms of what they were asking me as, you know, as an actor for my character, it was a great love story with Jada, yes. with Jada uh, and myself. And, and then what y'all had to do was just the, it was the, the, what I call a love story between the four of you. Yes. You know, you and Dana, Queen Latifah and, 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 and Jada and Kim was, was just beautiful. Um, so that was my bad. I, I, I never made that mistake again. You know, if I say no to something, I make sure I read it. So I know what I'm saying. No, too. But can I tell you, to your defense, the script, when we first all got it, it was awful. So hats off to mm. the director, F. Gary Gray, because we were throwing out pages daily. But F. Gary Gray mm. wanted to make sure that the story made sense, that the four girls, yeah. like you said, it became a love story with the four girls back against the wall had been done wrong. And then with you. You know what I mean? That Jada here in the midst of it all fell in love with someone that was totally different. And it just, right. I remember it being an awesome premiere and it's become a cult classic. It has. Yeah. And I mean, people, I mean, I have people walk up to me constantly saying the lines. Trust me, I do. I'm like, okay, yeah, set it off. Okay. Hey, boom. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are like, why they kill y'all? We could have did set it off too. I said, no, actually, I don't want y'all to do set it off too. We did it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I've heard that a lot. 
And there's a play going. I haven't seen it, but I hear there's a play. It's set it off play. It's been traveling around the country. Have you seen it? No. And I look, I Did you know about that? Yeah, and I'm not gonna get stank. So we're gonna keep it moving because it's about you and we're gonna we... <laughs> All right, we'll no. keep but let me just let me say this. I it, it, that turned out to be one of the highlights of my career, and I'm I'm grateful that um that I said that, that I was able to do it to be a part of it because it has become a cult classic. And I, I too, like you, I hear it all the time. People bring it up to me. So yes. So another time that you and I shared the screen uh for one season was on the medical TV drama City of Angels. That was yes. our first time working together. And all I'm gonna tell y'all is don't ever ever try to do a love scene with not a love scene but a kissing scene with Blair Underwood because child Blair Underwood will your lines will just leave you (laughs) (laughs) well I think we're both getting our lines on that day I'm just saying (laughs) but you the show was great I just remember for me it was so hard because they were so on me about pronouncing my G's and being all technical and from that point it was like I was at a point in my career where it was like I was kind of doing the hood movies establishing my hood you know cred so but anyway the show let's talk about all the people that since now have become major major stars and Oscar winners from City of Angels from Viola Davis uh, Octavia Spencer uh, Maya Rudolph you remember Maya? Yep my real, of course, my every I she's one of those people I could not stop laughing, and she's like, Why are you always laughing at me? I said, I'm not laughing, I'm smiling out loud. Her and also Niecy Nash was on this, show. she's oh, another yes. one who's always Niecy Nash. that's right, yes, man. And Octavia Spencer was in our pilot, but but let me say, and but you, you and I launched that show, yes, we did, and I'll never forget it was like it was a team effort. And they 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 threw us out front and all the interviews and everything and I'm 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 very proud of, of that show and that we were able to do that together and and you are wonderful just I'm just glad we had a chance to do that and hopefully we have a chance to do it again in the future working together on something. Okay, so now let's move on to you know lately you've been killing it in Broadway. I mean before the Corona shut everything down, uh, you had just opened a Soldiers play, correct? That's right. And it was important to you because your mom and dad had got to see the hit. Matter of fact, came to opening night, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. No, that whole thing was amazing because my dad is retired Army Colonel. And this was a play about black soldiers and also starring David Allen Greer and J. Alphonse Nicholson and Jerry O'Connell and a whole bunch of this. I mean, it was 12 cast members. And these, I call them the Young Lions, they came slinging every day. I mean, killing it on that stage every night on Broadway. But no, I, listen, Viv, I'm, I'm grateful that we were actually able to run and finish that run, except for two days. We were supposed really? to close March 15th. Our last show was March 13th. <gasps> so um, so I'm grateful for that. But because a lot of shows, some shows are opening, you know, that's who knows what's going to happen. It's just it's very unfortunate. But but yeah, no, it was an amazing experience. I, I, I love doing Broadway. It's my second time doing it. Um, the first time was with our friend Nicole Ari Parker. Mm-hmm. Um, speaker named Desire in 2012. Uh, but every chance I get, because I started in the theater, I try to kind of get back to the, the boards every chance I every chance I get. Wow! Now, in reading your bio and everything, where where are you from? <laughs> All over the place. Because because my dad was in the army. We okay. Grew up in Michigan, Germany, Kansas, Georgia, uh, in Virginia, primarily Virginia. Okay, because that's, I couldn't honestly. All these years that I've known you, I was like, where is Blair from? And you're basically your family traveled because your dad was in the military. Yeah, we we moved every just on an average every two years. 
Um, and wow. only because my dad retired in Petersburg, Virginia, when I was in high school. That's that's where they that's where they back to roots. That's where they kind of set up roots, and they've been there ever since. Wow. And that's home. I go. That's where I go. We go home every Christmas. Um, and when I was in New York doing, you know, I was working in New York for a couple of years, a uh, couple of years ago doing Quantico for ABC. And then whenever I do the play, I try to just get back there. You know, folks are aging. My dad's 88, just turned 88 on April 1st, April Fool's Day. My mom's 84. So I'm grateful for every day to have them with us still and that they could be the opening night meant, meant the world to me. Because I was that kid that, you know, wanted to be an actor. I wanted to do Hollywood, but I also wanted to do Broadway. And I'm just, you know, grateful to be able to do it, but also that they could be there to share to share that opening night. Wow. I mean, you just had so many amazing success, success and achievement. But, you know, all of us, sometimes, you know, things don't go the way we want them to. Like, I was shocked, shocked to read that you lost the part in Dreamgirls to Jamie Foxx. <laughs> well, yeah, because Jamie can sing. I, I can't really <laughs> sing. I can hold it. I can carry a tune. <laughs> But you know what? See, that's yeah. what a lot of people don't realize for actors that sometimes for acting parts, we lose the damn parts to singers because they can contribute to the soundtrack or stuff like that. And you're like, they gave it to who? You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, but also Jamie, Jamie killed that. And Jamie's a hell of he a, a hell, you know, he, 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 got a, he had just won the Academy Award, number one. Okay. That, but, uh, <laughs> but but he killed it. So definitely no shade on Jamie because it's nothing but love. But, but, you know, we all have those along with, long, especially you've been in the game for a long time. You're going to have those those roles you know, part of what we do, as as you well know, is, you know, roles come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And sometimes you want things that's not meant to you. But then the ones come along with you really, really, really want. And it doesn't happen. And you got to learn to kind of just grow past it. And that was one of them that I really, really wanted, but it wasn't meant to be. So you just keep it moving. Yeah, And you know what? And I've, like I said, I've had that happen to, to me before. And then the worst part, though, is to not be a bitter actor and go to the premiere or see it and sit there and judge it like, you know, I could have did that better. Let's just keep it real. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 like, that like mm-hmm. oh, okay okay yeah, uh, okay right. that's that oh, that's how y'all want to roll oh you want to okay. go like, okay okay <laughs> we'll see how that works out for you then another thing that I, I I was surprised to read too because you know you get the best offers or the best opportunities because of your name and because you've been doing things so well but originally you turned down Sex in the City come on Sex in the City Blair. Oh yeah, hey, listen. What 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 do I know? What was I thinking at the time? But you know, I tell you, the, actually, Desiree, my wife, who loves you, she was the one who initially said to me during City of Angels, Vivica is the one. Make sure you go after her. But she was also the one when I when this came about. She said, you know, that's really a hot show. You might want to reconsider that. But the reason I the reason I said uh, no initially was because it was all about the sexual curiosity of what's it like for a white woman to be a black man. Is, is are the rumors true about the you know his size and his sexual prowess and all that? And was, you know um, Kim Cattrall's character Samantha was dating a black guy, and I was like, I I appreciate it and thank you. I'm grateful for the the, the offer, but I just don't want to. I'd rather not do that. And um, but the beauty was it came back around. And the reason I didn't want to do it because I didn't want to play a, a stereotype and just have the disconnect of you know that black guy over there. I'd rather you deal with this man as a human being and all of his complexities not just his race. And let's go from there. So I think it was two years later, they came back around and they were generous enough to offer me an opportunity to come on the show. And, and I said, well, listen, is it going to be about his humanity is it about, or is it about his race? And they said, no, no, it's not even about his race. It's just some guy she meets in the, in the elevator. She calls for him. I said, cool. And, and we did. So I'm glad I, I only did five episodes, but I'm, yeah. I'm glad I did it. And I had no idea 
Vivica, that show was as popular as it is. I hear about that show, like said it all, to this day. Yes. And then I just want to say this uh, to y'all, you know, since we on Corona and if y'all home, when Blair Underwood walks in with that beige suit on, Robert Lee. <laughs> Crazy. Y'all might not hear nothing he say, but you gonna know why they hired Blair Underwood. <laughs> <laughs> Wardrobe was tight Ooh, and the looked good. <laughs> I appreciate it. You looked amazing. But as fine as you are, and as good of an actress, people don't know about you that you play very dark characters. Excellent. Do you remember that I Thank saw you. you out? I don't know where we were at, but I saw you out and the movie Just Cause had just came out. Mm. And I don't know if you remember this, but I went to you and I was like, Blair, oh my God, just cause. And you were like, what? I was like, Blair, you you were so amazing. Like, y'all, this was a dark thriller that was starring Sean Connery, Lawrence Fishburne, Ruby Dee, Ed Harris, Kate Capshaw, right? That's right. A 10-year-old Scarlett Johansson, that's right. Yes, and you were amazing like i was shocked you didn't get nominated did you get an award for that i don't i don't know oh thank you no no oh. but i appreciate you saying that oh I my appreciate god it. like that to me like that role like i've never forgot like when they said that you were going to do the podcast i was like well i can't wait to talk to him about just calls but you were good in that and then also in medea's uh, uh family reunion you played a dark character and i remember seeing yeah Desiree out and she was like my husband is so sweet I don't know why they keep on giving him these crazy dark cats (laughs) well you know again we talked about being selective it's not about them giving us like what I want to take thank you for saying that for me after doing seven years of LA Law playing that good guy and the the upstanding noble negro as I call it which was a wonderful thing and I love playing good guys every now and then but it's always more interesting to play the bad guy you know, I'm at, I'm at a point now, I know my, my little niece sent me a, a, a meme recently and I had a picture of all these black actors. And they said, these are the actors when they show up, you know, a bitch is about to get slapped. I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> wait a minute. Come on now. And you were on the list. Oh my God. I was on the list. I was on the list. But you know, and my daughter had to tell me, because sometimes, it, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to keep it real. It's okay. irritating to me sometimes, because you look at a 35-year career, and if you know, like, the first 10 years, I played nothing but good guys. Mm-hmm. So now I, people say, like, why do you always play the bad guys? And I was like, well, you don't really know the body of work, if that's what you, that's what you see. But like my daughter said, like, even like this, this Madam C.J. Walker, you know, I, I play a, um, a cheating husband, so I mean, I wouldn't be a good guy necessarily. But it's, it's always more layered than that. It's not right. just black and white, just good yes. and bad. But my daughter's want to say, well, Dad, you have to understand, my generation... Most of what they've seen is, is <laughs> you know, the ones that have been popular are bad guys. Again, they didn't see the play I just did. They didn't see Quantico, who I did for two years, playing a good guy. But, you know, people see what they see. They know what they know. But, Blair, but, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Hold on. You said you are a meme that t- actors, you know, when it's not like seeing a bitch is about to get <laughs> That's what my niece sent me that. So that's funny. Isn't it, Uncle Blair? I say, okay, all right. All right. We're going to make a laugh at it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> just know it's make-believe, niece. It's oh, just make-believe. Oh, my God. You have me die. Because, you know, this generation, oh my they God. be making up stuff. You be like, wait a minute. Hold up. That's right. Slow your roll. Come on, yeah. do your homework now. But that's all right. It's all good. Uh, well, let's talk about family. Uh, because 
You know, listen, we'll, we'll talk about family and then we're going to talk to about what's happening now with your book and other things because you're just doing so much. And I want to make sure I don't run out of time. But you're just such a one, wonderful family man. You proposed to your wife uh, in Paris, right? Yeah. That's what yeah. I did. Yep. Yep. I know, Blair. Look, I did my homework on you, you know. I know. Right. I know we've known each other forever, but you got going deep in different directions. That's what yeah. I mean, but I just, because people need to know that about you, because like you said, they got the memes out now and people don't understand your body work, but you also understand that you are a wonderful family man. You've been married for 26 years. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Your kids, well, they ain't kids, children no more. You got an 18 year old, a 21 year old, a 23. You got some adults in the house. <laughs> um, yep. That's right. <laughs> you ain't lying. You go, you know, you make sure that you all eat dinner together and things like that. You know, like family is really important to you. Tell us why. Yeah. It's, you know, it's always been important. And part of it is because I come from that. You know, my parents are still together. As I mentioned, my yes. dad's 88, my mom's 84. Thank God they're still with us. Yes. But and I have an older brother, Frank, who you know, and two younger sisters, Marlo and Melissa. And we've always had we've always had a very close knit family. And they are my my biggest supporters. We're each other's biggest supporters. We're each other's kind of when we need each other's wings. And I've always 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 been that way. So that's kind of all I knew. So I knew, you know, if 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 God blessed me with the right wife and wanted to have kids and and and, and have a family and be involved in their lives. So um it's it's just been a it's been a blessing. And I learn from them every day. You know, you talk about having dinner. It's funny with this this quarantine. Mm-hmm. You know, the first two weeks especially was the first time since they were kids we all sat down around the table and had dinner okay. for seven days in a row. You know, <laughs> really? they go, they get up, they get older. Yeah, you just don't have time. Everybody's going in different directions. So that's when I talk about that silver lining. That's the one the silver lining. Okay. Then you know, I, I say the first two weeks. Mm-hmm. Now they're like, do we have to do this every night. I said, Nah, y'all, y'all go do your thing. <laughs> go go in your room. That. I was going to do a sidebar. I said, Okay, you said that first seven. There was a first time in years, seven days in a row, we did dinner. Then I was like, Okay, what happened after that? They start disappearing. Yeah, no, they just really start getting. Like, do we have to? Do we have to have family time every night? So, uh, so we do it every other night now. Oh, I love it. I lo- but still, you guys yeah. do get to have family time because see, Blair, you were raised right. Your parents are celebrating their 60th anniversary. Yeah, that's right. 60th. Wow. That's exactly right. Married in 1960. What advice did you get from them on how to keep a marriage, you know, together and going? Oh, man. You know, my dad told me when I was about to get married, he said, just know that marriage is work. Mm. The reason it resonated with me was because I remember at that time, 26 years ago, People just kind of get married, you know, and, and for whatever reason, they're legitimate reasons. But he said, just make sure you put the work in. Just just know it's going to be work. And it may not work out. And if, that's, mm-hmm. if it doesn't, it's not. That's fine. But just don't be afraid of the work is what his point was. I agreed. And that resonates to this day. You know, it's not not nothing. No, no marriage is easy. Mm. You're going to come up against hard times. He said, just just don't don't be so easy to say I'm out. Because, he knew. I think he knew with me, that's that's kind of my instinct. If something rubs me the wrong way, I'm like, I'm out. I'm, I'm, really? I'm oh yeah. Oh yeah. Blair, I find that to be so surprising about you because you really? seem like, yes, you seem like such, like when you sink your teeth into something or you want something to happen, I can't see you just saying I'm out. I can't. You know, if I, if I commit to it, I'm in a hundred percent, but if okay. something is wrong, if I feel disrespected or people around me, mm-hmm. if people are disrespecting people that I love or care for, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem walking away. Yes. You know, that's, okay. That's the thing. Okay. It's all about it. disrespect. So, you know, if I was in a relationship where there's disrespect, I'm like, deuces. Right. That part. So, right. Right. 
I saw that um, on Instagram that you posted a picture of the family on vacation in Cabo. Is that one of your favorite places to go? Not one of our favorite. We had never been as a family, but that's that's. Uh, but it was it was cool. It was dope. This that was this last year, actually, about a year ago, and we uh, hadn't gone as a family. But no, that's the one thing we do try to do often as a family is do a vacation. You know, once a year, and especially again as the kids got in the teenage years, and now two of them are in their twenties. You know, mm-hmm. don't see them that often. And, you know, when they were young, I wouldn't take jobs out of the city for more than two weeks. So since they're older, I've been doing that's why I can I feel free to do plays in New York for, you know, or wherever or jobs that take you out of town for a while. Because uh, I just wasn't doing that when they were young. Such a good daddy. I love that. And I'm going to tell you, my family ever had for the last five years, we've now made a family vacation to go to Montego Bay to Jamaica uh, because my brother oh. and I were born on the same day, July 30th. So that Your was brother, yeah, Marvin. Yeah, we're born on the same day. Oh, man. Okay. Is How that trippy? That yeah. I know. Hey, <laughs> yeah. it was a special night. <laughs> special night. That's right. <laughs> we want to clock nine months as a special night. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's talk about, wow, this Netflix miniseries, The Madam C.J. Walker Story. And you played Mr. C.J. Walker. Tell us about that. Here's what I love Octavia. You know, as as we talked about, I first met Octavia during City of Angels 25 mm-hmm. some years ago. And she reached out and she said, listen, I'm about to do the Madam C.J. Walker story. I'm a producer on it. The reps of the other producers are going to call your agent. So just let you know it's coming down the pike. And I'll never forget that she said, you make sure you make sure they treat you right and you get what you ask for. I know that's, that's right. all I'm going to say. And I said, you know what? That was cool. Just because, you know, like, you you and I and Octavia and I have that relationship. Just if you can be there for somebody, you be there for somebody. And here she was coming from a position of a producer and someone who had the inside scoop of what's going on with that particular project. And she said, just make sure they treat you right. And I was like, cool, right? So, but anyway, so that that set the tone. And I came in, and we just man, Vivica, between oh my god, between Octavia and Tiffany Haddish and mm. Garrett Morris and Bill Bellamy. Can I tell you, we laughed for two months straight. <laughs> I felt like I laughed for two months straight. Oh my gosh! Just, that just had, oh my god! Just had a ball. Oh man, we just had a ball. We had we had a great time doing it. But um, but aside from that, the story itself, I was glad that story was finally being told, mm. and that um that it was in the hands of someone like uh, Octavia. Wow, and I mean, you know, she played you know the role of the first made African American woman millionaire. That's what I yep. found so impressive because, like you said, it starts from the head, that Octavia was a producer, that she got that project done. That's what's beautiful about now in Hollywood is that you're seeing us do our own stories told the way that they should. I have so much respect that now, like when I saw the the Clark sisters, to know that that was produced by Latifah and and how wonderful it was. That's why I think our, I know, not think, I know that that's why our audiences are supporting our projects because the stories, you don't walk away from going, that's not how they really were. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, just again, you know, us coming up in, in the 90s, there was that that was that after the black exploitation movies of the 70s, then we had our, that wave in the 90s. And it kind of went away for a while in terms of like black themed films yes. and stored these kind of stories. And now I, I call this like the, the, the golden age of Hollywood 2.0, mm. only because there's so much product out there because these streaming services, cable, of course, they've been around, but especially Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, Apple TV now. There's so much product out there. That's so many more opportunities for actors. And they got to fill that content. They really they do. They got to tell stories. 
Yes. You know, so that's that's opportunity for, for all of us out here. Can I ask for Corona besides the mini mini series? Are you developing any projects? What's going to be next for you after Corona? You know, I'm hoping to direct a movie, to act in and direct a movie. Ironically, it's called Viral. It has nothing to do with the virus, but we're going to change that name. I know that's right. Corona. <laughs> Got to change that up, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but it's a psychological thriller, which is which is what I love to do. But I tell you what, I really want to do what's that? Is, um, a, ro- a romantic comedy. <gasps> yeah, I want to do something light. Yeah. Oh like- yeah, I want to do something light. You know, I love the. I listen. That that's my wheelhouse. I love the dramatic stuff. Um, but I tell you, this play that we just finished doing a soldier's play, you know, every, every night, you know, that the character has to break down in tears. I'm like, that's exhausting after a while. I'm, oh I'm, and then, and then walking into this, this Corona moment, I'm like, yeah, I'll just, listen. I want to lighten it up. As I said, producer, director, actor, now you have added author to your resume. So we have that in common as well, too, because I wrote a book. That's right. Now. Every day I'm hustling. And now you have a new book out, <laughs> which is amazing. And the new book, you you all, it says Blair Underwood presents Olympic Pride, American Prejudice. And Blair, I just want to thank you so much because you sent me a personally autographed copy. And it reads, Vivica, always inspired by you. Keep on soaring. Hope you enjoy the read and congrats on the new podcast. Peace and love, Blair. Tell us about this new book because it's inspired by the critically acclaimed documentary. How did this come into your life? Well, you know, I said, Vivica got a book. I got to have a book. I told you about you inspire me every step of the way. I told you. <laughs> no, actually, 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 this book, Olympic Pride, American Prejudice, is about the 1936 Nazi Olympics in Berlin, where mm. Jesse Owens won four gold medals. Now, what most people forgot is that there were 17 other black athletes that Agreed. went to those Olympics with, with Jesse Owens. So this is their story. Mm. Olympic Pride, American Prejudice, because the prejudice they felt not only in the United States, they also felt, of course, in Nazi Germany. But there are a lot of surprises in this. I mean, it's really, a lot of German people embraced these athletes. It was a Nazi regime run by Hitler that had a whole different skew on, 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 on blackness and black athletes and white superiority and alienation and all that kind of stuff. It's fascinating because these athletes, you've got to remember, you know, these Olympic athletes are like 17, 18, late teens, early 20s. So these are young people stepping into, uh, you know, Nazi Germany right before the, uh, the World War II. So it's just a fascinating world. And Deborah Riley Draper wrote, directed, and produced the documentary. Mm-hmm. I had the great opportunity to executive produce with her and narrate. I have an imprint for books for the literary world, and they're all Blair Underwood Presents. This is the sixth book we've, we've published with Simon Schuster. So I'm really? always looking for stories. Yeah, because I don't, I don't write them. I produce them. That's why it says Blair Underwood Presents, because I just found when I did my first book, the main thing they wanted to ask about they said, would you get on these, and you understand this, would you get on Good Morning America and this Today Show, will you promote this book? I said, absolutely. So I knew that deal was made primarily on my ability to get on these mainstream nationwide TV shows to promote it. So I said, wait a minute, if that's all it takes, I would rather find authors who have not been published, who deserve mm. to be published, who have not had that voice being uh, out there yet, give them an opportunity and a platform to be published. So that's what I've been able to do. This is, like I said, number six. And when I did the documentary, I just came in at the back end just to narrate it. But I said, this really should be a book. So I brought that to Simon Schuster. And, and by the grace of God, here we are. OK, so quick question. Uh, is there also an audio version of this book? There is. Are you the narrator of the book? 
I'm not. I was going to, but I was in the midst. We were about to open the play, and I was just, I couldn't do it. I was couldn't do it. Because people have to understand, I did the audio version of my book, 226 pages, and I... It's a lot. It was like a week of work, and then it was like, for yeah. me, my uh, book was self-help, talking about my parents, and when I did it, my, my father had just passed oh, wow. away. And I, there was oh, a couple sorry. of days, it was like, I could barely make it through it, Blair. I was just like, could I take 15? Oh, my God. You know what I mean? It was difficult oh, yeah. to do an audio version of a book. That's why I asked you that. Did you do the audio version? Because uh, Olympic Pride, American Prejudice, it basically, like you said, the other athletes, it lets you know their story. Right. Right, right. Exactly. And exactly. then I think something that really blew me away that when I did, you know, read some of the things that Hitler, he wouldn't even shake their hands. Oh, yeah. No, he left the stadium. Wow. At the time. Yeah. On the, on the first day of competition, people often think it was uh, Jesse Owens, but it was actually the two, uh, David Albritton and, and one of that, I can't remember his name right now, mm-hmm. uh, high jump. Uh, one was track, one was high jump. Uh, they yeah. had one gold medal that first day. And he was like, instead of shaking their hands, he's like, I'm out. And he just left. Wow. Congratulations again on, on your book. Um, Thank you. You know, and I know that's challenging because of having done some audio books, it's, it's more work than people realize. It's, it's, oh. it's a lot of hours. And then yours is personal. You know, that's, yeah. a, whole, that's a whole different dance. It really was. Now, what are your other books? As you said, this is your sixth Blair Underwood Presents. What are the other books? Yeah, well, the we did four, which was a series of, uh, it, was a, it was a series tracking Tennyson Hardwick, who's um, a detective. And I partnered with Tanana Reeve Du and her, her husband, Stephen Barnes, not the attorney we know in Hollywood, but the author, Stephen Barnes. And that just came out of, you know, wanting, I had a movie set up that I bought the rights to Tanana Reeve Du's book. Uh, my soul to keep had those rights set up at a studio and they languished for seven or eight years. And I was frustrated. And I said, wait, no, why don't I just go to a great writer like Tanana Reeve do and her husband, they were newly married at that time. Let's create our own story. So you two handle the literary rights. I'll handle the cinematic rights, film and television, and we'll do it. So we ended up doing that. And there were four different books. Um, the characters, uh, Tennyson Hardwick, but they were Casanegra, all names named after movies, but a twist on that Casanegra, not Casablanca. Um, from Cape Town with Love, like from Moscow with Love, James Bond, mm-hmm. um, in the in the night of the heat, in the heat of the night, and South by Southwest, a takeoff okay. of uh, Alfred Hitchcock's North by Northwest. So yeah, those that, those are four, and the other one, the first one was a, a children's children's book. So now nah, it's fun, you know. Again, we got that hustle mentality, yeah, you know, that grind, steady steady grind mentality, and that's just another way, another muscle, a creative muscle to, to stretch just in kind of being part of the development of telling these stories. You know, I'm not a writer. Uh, mm-hmm. That's why I give so much respect to people who actually are the authors. And I don't believe in ghostwriting either. Like yeah. if, if they wrote it, their name should be on the book. That's absolutely that's, 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 their, that's their shine. Let them have their shine. So, yeah. So I'm always, let me just say, I'm always looking for just great writers. They're looking for an opportunity to be published. Now your book, Blair Underwood presents Olympic pride, American prejudice. I, I got, I got to ask this because you do so many things. I mean, before becoming an actor, were you an athlete? I mean, are you watching, you know, cause now sports, it's like, what are we going to do? I know all about you. I've yeah. been watching the last day with Michael Jordan and we're living in the nineties and loving it. Woo. Okay. Okay. Hey, I watched that last night. The last oh. day. Yeah. I'm ready for episode five and six. Me too. Ain't oh, it good? That's, that's, that's some good. That's some good stuff, man. Yeah. That's some good stuff. Were you ever an athlete? You know, I, I played football. I, I played football for seven years. Just, just I'm talking about little league up to high school. I stopped in high school and started started acting. Right. Uh, that and I used I also used to swim competitively. What? I was eight years old for about five years. Yeah. You swim. Yeah. A black man swimming. Can you believe it? 
We see, hey, we see that more now, but trust me, in the 70s, you didn't see, you, you didn't see that too often. <laughs> nah, that was my, hey, that was my get down. No, I love it. No, it's just so trippy because you remember when the sister won that uh, Olympic medal, speaking of, in, yep. in the Olympics, everybody was like, yes, see there, we swim, y'all. That's right. That's it. We do it all. We, we do, do it all. all. We do it all. <laughs> now, wait a minute. And speaking about somebody that does it all, I got it. one more job to talk about. You're the voice of Lexus? Yeah, yeah. For the last five years, five, six years, I do the voice for the multicultural community. Otherwise, Minnie Driver does the, uh, <laughs> she, she does the general market for the white boys. And I do, I do the general market, which is the black and brown market. Listen, I was the voice of Cadillac for years. And let oh, me man. tell you, I love it. I love it. It's like you can record it. It's the best job. You ain't got to worry about hair, makeup that day, or wardrobe. It's like, you ain't lying. You know what I mean? It like all comes through the voice. That's right. That's right. You know, it's funny because I've always thought that you just roll out of bed and go into the studio. But even nowadays within this quarantine moment, <laughs> literally, I was in Desiree's closet yesterday recording on a laptop and a microphone. You, you. So <laughs> they don't make, you know, you can't get any easier than that. Just roll out of bed. You don't have to brush your teeth. You don't have to put your hair and makeup on. I was in the back corner of her closet with my microphone and my laptop. Oh my gosh. And then you can hear it. You can hear the, the everything because usually you have to go in the studio. The executives are there and da, 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 da. But it's like, let me tell you for my podcast. At first I was like, cause I was recording in at Paramount studios and they were like, uh, mm-hmm. so uh, Vivica, we're going to be sending you a mic and some headphones and we're going to still keep this moving. I was like, okay. Yep. So, you know, yep. the fact that we're both yep. doing this today from our home, let's just know we still getting our hustle on right Blair. That's right. They said that same thing. They want to send you the microphone. I said, okay, I got the laptop. You send the microphone. Yeah. yeah. But, but you know, do you think this is going to, when things get back and we will get back, yes. I don't know when, but we'll get back. Do you think you'll want to kind of stick to this, like your podcast, for instance, staying at home or you want to kind of drive over to Paramount, wherever else? No, no. I love going to Paramount Studios. I, you know, I don't like the whole Skype interview. I don't like the, I like, I, I'm a very, uh, I need energy. Like today, I would have yeah. been so thrilled to see you and give you a hug and talk about the old yeah, times and get some jokes in and stuff like that. Like, I don't like this um, non-touch, non-communication thing because we thrive off of our audience, audience response and feedback. Yeah. Because before, the guests would come to Paramount and we'd catch up with each other and sit down and chat. And I really loved it because for me, it's been like catching up with old friends and then discovering some new friends. So I miss that. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm looking forward to getting back, getting on a set, getting back in the studio. I love that. I feel the same way. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. You know, I hear people talking now, like Dr. Fauci said the other day, he said, you know, I don't know if we'll go back to shaking hands again. Mm -hmm. You know, as a doctor saying, I don't, he said, I, I think we, we need to do away with handshaking anyway because it transmits germs. I'm like, that ain't, that's not realistic. I'm from the South. We exactly. hug. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I missed that. Yeah. And I think it's part of human nature. I, I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen. We'll, we'll get back to it. Yes. But, uh, I know time. one thing, black folks will get back to it for sure. Agreed. Because <laughs> we, we, we love to dap, dap it up, love to hug, clap hands. Come yeah, on now. All that. So, you know, thank you. You have just been such an amazing guest. But before we close, I got to find out, Blair, you do so much. You do. I mean, you do television, you do movies, you do voiceover, you do books. What's your favorite thing to do? Oh, man. I, you know, I do. I, I, I love it all. And I, I learned early on in my career. I just I just want to tell stories. Mm. I want to tell stories. But if I had to make a favorite, I have to tell you, my favorite in terms of this industry and our art is live theater. Really? There's nothing like being on stage in front of a live audience 
and feeling that you talk about that electricity, mm-hmm. that energy, an yes. energy person, to feel that energy and electricity from from one congregation, one group of people feeling the same thing, breathing the same air, telling the same story, highs and lows. Yeah, no, that's that's my favorite. Yeah. You know, the beauty of what we do with film and television is it lasts forever. So it's film and television is a close second, but it's it's magical. Uh, live theater and, and live performance in front of an audience is, is it's a magical thing. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that because it's like that pre-buzz when everybody's getting ready and you're getting mic'd and they're counting you down. You can kind of hear the audience, them kind of filling in. It's like this energy. It's like, that's right. It's about to be showtime. And then also (laughs) being able to adjust to somebody's mic go off. Somebody forgets their line. It's live. Oh, yeah. And you got to make it happen. Sometimes you got to pick your actors up. If they forget their lines, you got to throw their line to them. So then it's like, oh, yeah, that's that's my line. You know what I mean? Yep. (laughs) So, yeah. That's exactly right. But, you know, I just. That's exactly right. Talking to you today has just been a true treat, a true treat for me, Blair. And I just appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. I want you to give the family my love. Um, Please tell everyone where they can find you on social media. Oh man, you know what? Just Blair Underwood, the blue check on Instagram. I, I don't even know all. The, I should I should know these handles. People rattle them off, but um, <laughs> but I'm on there. Just going to my okay. name. You'll, you'll you'll see if it's official or not. I love that. He's like Google me, okay, and you'll see all my official. That's tags. right. <laughs> <laughs> but V, let, let me let me say, I so appreciate you. I respect you. I have tremendous regard for you, and I'm I'm, I'm proud of you in a in a brother kind of way. Um, and, and I'm inspired by you and just keep doing your thing and keep hustling and, and, you know, making it happen. No doubt. No doubt. It's, it's more than a notion. It's more than a notion okay, to be successful in this business and, and to, to have done it for as many of the years as we have to have longevity is more than a notion. So, um, got nothing but love for you. I appreciate you. Blair, you have been such an amazing guest and I thank you so much for your time and your inspiration, which leads us to today's hustle hack. Hashtag embrace diversity. Darlings, step outside your comfort zone and try new things to stay diverse. By embracing diversity, you allow new opportunities to expand your horizons. Know that the sky is the limit if you apply yourself. Go for it, okay? So you can find your girl, Vivica Fox, on Instagram at Miss B Fox, on Twitter at Miss Vivica Fox. You can also find our new show, Hustling with Vivica Fox, at Vivica Hustling. So be sure to subscribe, download, and listen to Hustling with your girl, Vivica A. Fox. Until next time, darlings, bye for now. Bye.